North Organic CBD is a new sponsor of Holding Court. I love their CBD gummies. They come in two delicious flavors, strawberry lemonade and green apple. I've had them both, both amazing. One a day and you're totally okay. I like to stay active. I like to keep playing tennis. I like to get in the gym. That's why I love North Organic CBD. Their products are made in the USA. They're high quality. They're specially formulated, broad spectrum, organic CBD products for everyday adventurers. Don't forget about the very popular CBD salve from North Organics. Immediate relief of any physical pain. I use it daily for my sore shoulders, sore knees, hips, you name it. It works wonders. Go to NorthOrganicCBD.com and enter Patrick20, that's Patrick20, for 20% off your order. All right, time for another edition of Hold in Court, everyone. And uh, we're going to sort of try to put a bow on this Novak Djokovic story as it unfolded from Australia. And I was very uh, educated by my following guest. His name is Justin Quill. He's an attorney down in Australia for one of the big law firms, Thompson Gear. And throughout his career, he's worked in media, broadcasting, entertainment, sports law. And I happened to catch you, Justin, on a couple of the shows, uh, uh, TV news shows in Australia as I was trying to follow this, just a saga and how it went down. So first of all, thank you for educating me throughout this process uh, and, of course, the Australian public. But I guess you never expected in your work as an attorney, I know you've worked in sports sports broadcasting to have to deal with something like this and how this went down in the last two weeks in Australia. Yeah, look, uh, first, firstly, uh, Patrick, thanks so much for having me on. That's, uh, it's an honor to be on. And uh, thanks also for that very kind introduction. It was uh, uh, arguably a little bit too kind. I sounded a little <laughs> bit like my mother wrote it, but uh, very, very happy to have that. Um, yeah, look, it, this is an extraordinary story, isn't it? You couldn't write a script. If you wrote a script and sent it off to Netflix, as I'm sure a few people were saying, there should be a Netflix uh, series on this. But if you wrote a script, people would uh, throw it in the bin and say, it's, it's just too ridiculous. That could never happen. But sure enough, uh, it, it did happen. And uh, it seems only in Australia could that happen with uh, our, our border our border force uh, uh, officials and our border protection policies are... Uh, and our COVID policies are absolutely full on. So yeah, quite a, quite an extraordinary story. Um, and the way it unfolded was uh, it was quite extraordinary. You know, I, I keep saying um, Djokovic is is really the cause of this ultimately because um, you know he could have just got vaccinated as uh, uh, Nadal said, just just get vaccinated. He's playing here without any problems. But but once he had made that decision, the handling of this by the Australian authorities, all the authorities, our state government, our, our federal government, Tennis Australia, our border force officials, everyone just could not have been, could not have been worse. Uh, we look like the Keystone Cops. We invited the guy here. We told him we, he, he would have an exemption. Um, when he got and we gave him a visa. When he got here, our border force officials strong-armed him and, and, basically um, <laughs> tried to stop him from uh, accessing lawyers. Uh, then we cancel his visa. We throw him in detention. Uh, and then when he, when he goes to court and proves that that decision was unlawful, 
we make him hang around for five days not knowing whether he's playing in the Grand Slam. Uh, you know, to go 20, 21, one ahead of Federer and Nadal, or could, could have been a, uh, you know, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful uh, tournament for him. And we make him hang around. Then we, then we do it again, and we end up in court for two, two or three days. And the night before the tournament, the draw delayed it. You just could not, you could not write a script uh, along those lines. Now, Justin, I got to ask you this because obviously uh, I'm no attorney, although my dad was an attorney, by the way, and I have another brother named Mark who uh, didn't get involved in pro tennis like me and John did, who's also an attorney. So uh, I took the law boards, by the way, to try to go. I was thinking about going into law school when I graduated from Stanford, and uh, I was you know, obviously considering a tennis career, which ended up you know, being relatively successful. Uh, but I have to tell you this because... I took the law boards right after I went to Stanford. I uh, majored in political science yeah. and I took the law boards and uh, my mom was always saying to me, Oh, Patrick, you know, you don't want to be a pro tennis player. Cause you know, you're never going to be as good as your brother. You know, I had to deal with that for so long. So anyway, I, t- I, I, I took the law boards and uh, my brother, John was supporting me. He was saying, mom, like, shut up. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Patrick's good. He's going to be, you know, make a decent career playing tennis, let him do what he wants to do. So I get the results back from the, my law boards and my mom looks at him and she says son i think you should stay with tennis so that tells you how i did in my law board but anyway anyway uh, so anyway, i'm trying to I, I digress but but this this decision okay by the court um was interesting to me and i think it caught a lot of at least from what i've been reading in from australia a lot of legal experts like you by surprise at least that's what i've read so i want to know if it caught you by surprise the rationale that they used to deport him so it wasn't about his medical exemption was invalid it wasn't about that he made mistakes on a visa application it was about that he posed a threat to civil unrest you can correct me if i'm wrong and please do to the australian society that he was sort of a symbol um, and would create this uh, sort of firestorm uh, amongst anti-COVID vaccine people. So please educate me on that aspect of this decision. Yeah, so, so look, everything you said there is right, but I think it's actually important to put this all in context. Let's just go back a step. What happens is he gets a visa first, and the way that our system works, it's not a very good system, and I think I'll be looking into this, is... You get a visa and it's a bit of a, you fill in the forms online from wherever you are in the world. And if you tick the right boxes and what have you, you get a visa, but it's always subject to being checked when you get here. So you then fly to Australia, you get here, and the board officials then went through his paperwork and said, hang on, hang on, we don't think you, you're, you stack up here. We're not going to let you in. And they cancel his decision. Uh, sorry, his visa. That was the first decision. Right. And that was one, he, he takes that to court and he finds that's unlawful, that they made it, that they made errors in the process of the making of the decision. You know, they, they rushed the decision, they took into account irrelevant things, et cetera, et cetera. So that gets thrown out and he then, his, the re, visa is reinstated. He's let out of detention 30 minutes after that decision and, um, and he then goes straight down to Melbourne Park and he starts warming up. And that happened. he's then got a visa, he's allowed to walk around like any other person for mm-hmm. five days, while the Minister for Immigration then has to work out whether the Minister is going to try and cancel his visa again. Now, there's a whole stack of reasons why the Minister might have, that, that the Minister could have used mm-hmm. to cancel his visa. He filled out one of his declarations incorrectly. He said, 
I, I haven't been anywhere else for the last two weeks, and then there were all these photos of him off in Spain and practicing in Spain and Marbella. Right, right. Exactly, right. So not not a hanging offence, but if you want to use that as a, a reason to, to deport him, you could. Um, he he's, he is unvaccinated, and we have a policy where if you are not an Australian and you want to visit Australia, you have to be double vaccinated. So they could have they could have tried to rely on that, but there's just some grey areas with that. Um, there, there are other there are other possible arguments they could have used, but what the one they focused on was um, that his presence here would stir up anti-vaccination sentiment. Right. Um, we're a highly vaccinated country. We're, I think it's 93% uh, of all people are aged over 12. So it's one of the highest in the world. And, um, and uh, you know, there's been a big push and there continues to be a big push uh, towards vaccination. The main reason, though, I've got to, I've got to be real with all your, your listeners here. The, re- the main reason I think this happened is because when it was announced that um, Djokovic had got this visa to come, even though he's not double-backed, Australians, and particularly Melbournians, we, we've been the most locked-down city in the world. Right. Uh, and you can, you, that's, a, that's an argument for another, deba- another day. But it's been really tough here in Melbourne. I've, 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 that's where I, I'm based in Melbourne. Uh, and it's been really tough here. And there was this massive backlash. As soon as it was announced... And I think that's where Djokovic went wrong. He put it up on his Instagram story. You know, I'm heading to Australia. I've got this exemption and I'm looking forward to playing at the Open. Right. And Australians went mental. They went absolutely crazy. Mm. And there were these online polls of the newspapers and it was like 85, 89% of people saying this is outrageous. So there was a real backlash against him. And I think at that point, the federal government with a, with a, an election an election looming in May or June of this year, the federal government thought, here's some political point scoring. Mm. We'll boot him out because that's what 85% of the people in Australia want. So I think that's what, what drove this. And then you had this Keystone Cops. And the problem with, the problem with, in my view, with this anti-vax sentiment being... Um, Promoted, if you like, by Djokovic is number one. He he is um, he's never been an advocate for the anti-vax movement. He's never said come out and said publicly you should not get vaccinated. No, he's never said. Fact, he basically he's never, never said anything, which is which has been part of I think his problem. But in this case, I think um, they used something that to me was unlikely was going to happen. Yeah. Well, the the irony of it, and this is my biggest point. The irony of it is that's exactly what is now going to happen. It right. wouldn't have happened if they'd let him in. Yeah. But by kicking him out, they've done two things. One, they've made him a poster boy. They've made him a poster boy for uh, the, the anti-vax movement. Here is this elite athlete who, you know, takes his, um, his health so seriously that he says it's not a good thing to have the, vac- the vaccine. And, and so that gives people who want to promote anti-vax arguments, a, 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 a nice little argument there. So firstly, they've created this poster boy for it, but secondly, they've made him a martyr. Right. You know, people, I think when he got deported, a lot of people went from feeling like, you know, oh, he shouldn't be allowed in because he's not double-vaxxed to, oh, we feel a bit sorry for him now. And so so you create this poster boy and make him a martyr, um, that's, that's causing the very thing you don't you, you say you're trying not to avoid. Right. Now, 
From the legal perspective, though, I, I will say this. It's important to know that the, the, the court case was not what we call a merits review. That is, you don't go before the judge and say, oh, it's a bad decision. You should really make this decision and, and, and argue it out like you and I just discussed it now. What you have to do is it's only about a legal error in the process, in the making of the decision. You know, did they consider all the relevant factors? Did they take enough time? Are they biased? Or all of those sorts of things. You know, you, it's not good enough to just convince the judge that the judge would have made a different decision. You've got to show there was an error, a legal error. in the. So it's quite confined. And I think that's one of the reasons why they... They landed on this very opinion-based reason as the reason they gave for deporting him. Ultimately, that is... Ultimately, you can't really argue against it. I mean, if, if they're going to use it's that... It's very hard to. It's almost impossible yeah. to argue yeah. against it because the government has the ultimate authority. But I want to ask you this question uh, based on right. something you just told me. I find this just fascinating. Do you think, Justin, uh, um, that when Djokovic, before he put up that Instagram picture that I'm on my way to Australia, I can't wait to go, I've spent some time with the family, do you think that the federal government at that point was sort of getting ready to, for this showdown? In other words, you know, was this a trap? Did they set him up? Or, I mean, we may never know the real answer to this, but what's your sense? Because obviously when it created this firestorm and, 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 and the, the, the public in Australia made their feelings known, right, that they didn't want this to happen, like, as you just described, do you think that they, they planned this whole thing to happen this way? Because they could have just said to Djokovic, don't come, we're not going to give you, we're not going to let you into the country. They could have said that way yeah. before and then probably he wouldn't have gotten on the plane. Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's, it's close to what you're saying, but not quite there. Now, the first thing I should say is this is, this is speculation by me. I, 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 you know, I, I'm not in the minds of the ministers and what have you. But here's, when I draw the dots, put the dots together, I, I come up with what I'm pretty confident is the, is the position. Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, said um, before, before he came, well, it's a matter for the state about right. whether they give exemptions. And so so that so so effectively, you know, he was saying, yeah, that's fine. It's it's the same mm-hmm. if, if Victoria where Melbourne is based, if Victoria wants to uh, let him in, that that's fine with us. That's effectively what he was saying. Then then what happened was the post goes up and that was 18 hours before he landed. In that 18 hours and and the the, the news cycle was uh, it, it happened sort of um, you know, late at night, people got, had the whole day right. to um, rage about it and and for, you know, the media to discuss it. And it stirred up this absolute um, uh, outrage. And what that did was it, it, it then gave the government, just the federal government, enough time to scramble and um, obviously decide, hey, this is a real vote winner here. They've got other issues. They've got some, some problems. Um, both from a COVID sense and other and other a few other issues on their plate from a political perspective, and with this election looming, um, I think they thought this is a this is an easy vote winner for us. We've got 18 hours before he lands here. Um, I suspect there was a phone call or two made to the border officials, and they were told, "You check this guy out. Mm. Absolutely, make sure if there is any way to pot him and deport him, do it." 
I, I, I think that I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I mm-hmm. don't think it, they were setting him up okay. the whole time. But I think they, they saw the outrage and they thought, we're going to take advantage of it. And that's why he was, he, the first decision was made. And, of course, then once that first decision was made and he goes to court and he proves it's unlawful, now they've got egg on their face. Mm. Now they have right. to stand for it. Now they have to get him out of the country because they look like idiots. And, and uh, um, they, they had to save face, basically. So I think that's really how it all went down. This was, if this wasn't an election year, I, I'd, I'd say Novak Djokovic would be playing at the Australian Open today. Very interesting. Justin Quill joining me here on Holding Court, everyone. Just a, just a fascinating conversation. So this sounds to me like political opportunism at its best. I mean, at its core, it was, it was yeah. the reason. Now, let me ask you this, because obviously me, us in the tennis world, you know, know, know Craig Tiley well. I mean, he's done so much for tennis in Australia. He's very well liked in the tennis world, generally speaking, but he's had a rough go of it. I mean, through last year, the COVID, what that did to the tournament, you know, with the players, the lack yeah. of communication, at least clear communication, then players end up quarant- hard quarantined for two weeks. And he, he look... I, I know Craig pretty well. I like him a lot. <clears throat> I think he put himself in, you know, out on a limb in this situation. The tournament is known for being player friendly, you know, over the years. I think he took that a little bit too far with uh, pushing the envelope, you know, politically and, and with getting the exemption for Djokovic. And by the way, what very few people are talking about, I know it doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things, but Djokovic's test his positive COVID test on December 16th was just about a week after the deadline for players who wanted to uh, apply for the medical exemption. It was supposed to be December 10th. So it, it's yeah. where does, where does this go from here? What's the fallout going to be, if any, for tennis Australia, for Craig Talley? I've had a lot of people ask me, is this going to harm the Australian open tournament? I say no, because I think it's, you know, just an awesome event. It's my, actually one of my favorite event yeah. to go to every year, but just as, as this, as, as more will come out over the course of the next couple of months, what do you think the fallout will be down in Australia? Yeah. There's already discussions about uh, Craig Kiley's uh, position. Um, politicians being asked asked about it, uh, and of course they say, "Well, that's a matter for the board of Tennis Australia." <laughs> but nobody's come out <laughs> right. and, and absolutely, right. but nobody's come out and backed him. It's a little bit like, um, uh, you know, the the owners. In fact, I was listening to a podcast about um, this morning about um, uh, actually it was Mike Greenberg's. Uh, uh, podcast and uh, they were making the point. Jerry Jones, uh, when he had the great loss yesterday for, right. um, for the Dallas, Cowboys, didn't, yeah. didn't come out and back Mike. Yeah, didn't come out and back Mike McCarthy, the, the head coach. You know, they were asked, "Are you going to sack him?" And he said, "I don't want to talk about that." Now. <laughs> right, that's so that can open like the door. Right, right, and exactly, exactly. So I think that's happening. But I've got to say this for for Craig Coley. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm going to give him a. I'm going to say something supportive, and then I'm going to give him a whack as well. Okay. The supportive thing is, as you say, he's he's had a hard time of it. Not only you know, I mean, all all sporting bodies have had a hard time trying to organise things in COVID, but particularly with the with the the travel distance and the and the, the political policies here in Australia, the border protection policies, it's been much harder to organise, say, an Australian Open than it would be you know, the US Open or Wimbledon or what have you. And and that's particularly so when, and this is it's been so obvious in this Djokovic case, the state government 
and the federal government are on opposite sides of the political divide. It's mm-hmm. a little bit like you've got the Republicans on one side and the Democrats on the other. Um, and so, so the, the, when you talk about the political point scoring, as I mentioned before, the federal government saw this opportunity. Part of that is scoring opportunity, not just to get themselves elected, but also give the state government on the other side of the political divide a whack. So Craig Tiley is in the middle of this. Right. He's trying to he's trying to sort of um, you know bridge the gap between two sides of politics who hate each other and are trying to always political point score. So that's so that's the context in which Craig Tiley's mm. operating. It's not very easy. Um, it, it's you've almost got people working against against each other, and he's trying to get them to work together. So that's the first point. The second point is having said that, and 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 in fact. Knowing that, what should have happened and what I cannot believe did not happen. We're not talking about some journeyman tennis player. We're talking about um, the best tennis player in the world, arguably the greatest ever tennis player in the world, who could have got his 21st slam at our slam. You know, like it it wouldn't be just anyway. He would go ahead and get the most ever at our grand slam. That would be fantastic for the Australian Open and for Australia. In those circumstances, Craig, please, Get the federal government and the state government in a room. I don't care if it's a virtual room or a real room. Mm-hmm. Get them in a room together. They've always saw these emails and letters back and forth. Not good enough. This is not the sort of thing you want to do by email. Get the people in a room and work it out and either get in here, if that's what you want to do, or, or, or work out, okay, that's not happening. I tried. I tried everything I could. Right. I can't get him here. Fine, but, and, but not have this circus. No one, I mean, thank God we are now talking about the tennis. The last, the last 24 hours, um, we've been uh, talk, talking about the, the tennis. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Kokonasis uh, lost, uh, lost first round, but John Millman had a win, and you know, these, some of the Australians are doing So there's a lot of Australians talking about the tennis. Ash Barty started off the campaign brilliantly. Right. Um, so... That's fantastic. But for the last two weeks, when we should have been talking about mm. the tennis, we weren't. And people shouldn't have been hearing from me, Papi. They should have been hearing from you about the tennis. <laughs> and instead, Australians, Australians are having to listen to a, a lawyer, for God's sake. You know, an attorney, as you say. So, so you know, that's, that's not the lead-up to the Australian Open we wanted. And, and uh, Craig Tiley, although he's in a very difficult situation, I think he has to be partly accountable. I actually wrote a, um, uh, an article in today's uh, Herald Sun, which is Australia's biggest newspaper, and I actually said everyone has to review their position in this. And I went mm-hmm. through, little, it wasn't your normal article, I actually put head, headings for each party and, and went through and said what they, what they stuffed up and what they should be doing. And for Tylees, it was mainly about um, get, get everyone in a room, get them in a room and get some consensus one way or the other. And if the consensus is, uh, you know, it's too much, we don't want to do it, then you just tell, you, you know, you, you say to the players, Djokovic obviously being the, the most visible player, if you're not vaccinated, you can't get in the country. Or it was, what, could have them been the possibility of, okay, you, if you get, uh, if you're not vaccinated, you need to quarantine for two weeks, which is what many Australians yeah, did exactly. getting back into the country before the vaccine, right? Yep, yep. And, 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 See, I think that would be a really that would have been a perfect way to do it because then it's over to over to Djokovic. Hey, if you're fair thinking about this, 
sure. You you could come out here and, and you, you would probably need to put him, there would have to probably be also some other things because it's, it, it's not just about, at the, especially at the moment, we, we're having a big uh, a big wave. We're heavily vaccinated, so therefore we've said, right, well, we're really going to open up and things, and, and the case numbers are through the roof compared to what they have been here in Australia. Right. And there'll be small numbers compared to what you guys have, have seen over there. But, but for us, the cases are high. Djokovic, frankly, was far more likely to catch it here than he was to bring it in. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much about that also. I, I, I think it was a little bit about, hey, um, you know, we've gone through all that. We've been telling you you've got to get vaccinated. We can't then let him walk around unvaccinated, possibly pick it up and give it uh, and pass it on. You see, it's easier to catch and easier to pass it on if you don't have it. Um, so, therefore, that was part of it. But, but look, whatever the position was they adopted, it should have been an all-in position. And, and it should have been an, a unified Australian position rather than this political point scoring, um, which, which frankly has made us look like, I think, the laughing stock, uh, around the, uh, around the world. I've been, I'm doing this podcast. I've done, um, plenty of spots on CNN, um, Sky, Sky UK, uh, BBC, uh, all of these international players. <laughs> Sort of saying, scratching their heads. How is going? <laughs> what the hell is this? That boy, and, you're you're, and, darn, you're darn good, Justin, and that's why. And I appreciate that's why I appreciate you giving me all this time here. And 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 I promise you, I give you 20, cool. 25 minutes. We're about there. But I want to last yeah. question. Uh, obviously, Australia yeah. is saying they have the uh, the right once you de- deport someone that they can't come back to the country for three years. I know there's some wiggle room there. Obviously, do you think that the yeah. only way that they um, turn that that around in other words they say novak can come back into the country is if he gets vaccinated like, so like, i mean that, I just, that is go ahead uh, well i was going to say so so the three-year thing is automatic but it's not mandatory so what i mean by that is as things currently stand novak Djokovic is not allowed to come to this country for three years that's done that is that is in the books but but it doesn't have to maintain, be, continue. It, it can always be waived. And I'd say, I'd say a couple of things about that. One, we have, we've got this election this year. There's every chance there's going to be another government in next year. So, so it could be very different. Even if there isn't a new government, well, they won't be trying to political point score like they were this year. Um, two, that rule is normally designed for someone who has done something wrong. That is, you know, you, you outstay your visa or you break the law when you're here or do something like that. You get deported and you can't come back for three years. Djokovic didn't actually do anything wrong. And the government effectively said this. They said, it's not, it's not, it's not so much you, it's what, what you represent as an unvaccinated person and the impact it's going to have on others. So it's almost like he's, be, he's got punished um, in circumstances where he hasn't done anything wrong. So I think the arguments for that to be waived are, are very, very great. And if, and fingers crossed, I think every, a lot of you listeners won't necessarily agree with everything I've said, but, but I think they will agree with this. Would please just hope that over the next 12 months, COVID really dissipates into something we, we just don't have to worry about right. by this time next year. And if that happens, and vac- double vaccination policy falls by the wayside, then then no problem. But if we still have the double vaccination policy, then I don't think they will waive it. I think they will say, um, whichever party is in in, uh, in government, I think they might say, 
sorry, we've got we've we've got this this policy. So I think it's it's going to come down to it, is COVID still an issue, mm-hmm. and if it is, Novak, have you got uh, uh, vaccinated? And then of course the French government have just come out in the last twenty four hours and said, no, well we've got double vaccination policy as well to come here. So does that mean he's going to miss the French Open? Mm. And, and the, the UK have stood. Um, Boris Johnson um, made supportive comments uh, or made comments supportive of, of our government in this in this saga. So you might have to use that. Does that mean he doesn't play at Wimbledon? Is he is he really going to sit out all of these Grand Slams and miss his his opportunity at history? Well, I don't know. It's it's uh, we wait and see for that. But but if vaccination policy is still in place in twelve months, I think he will. Um, uh, he he won't be allowed back in. If it's not an issue, they'll waive it for sure, and he'll be he'll be back playing next year. Very very interesting, isn't it, Justin? And you know what you just said about uh, the fact that the Australian government said you know you you pose too much of a threat um, to to uh, the population because. Basically, you know why? Because of his celebrity, and you know many people in the U.S. I've been it's doing as great. many as many interviews as you have in in the U.S. And everybody says, "Ah, these spoiled athletes—they get everything they want. They think they can, you know, skirt the rules." In this situation, that actually worked yeah. against him in Australia. Totally. Yeah, your your analysis is a hundred percent correct. There, it it wasn't anything he did, as you said earlier. He's he's not been an advocate for the anti-vax movement. He's been silent on it. So much so that, and here's the irony of it, we only learned for certain, we all guessed, but we only learned for certain he's unvaccinated, the public only learned for certain he's unvaccinated status during the first court case. So the government created the very thing that they now say (laughs) is the reason he has to leave. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, Justin, thank you so much. It's Justin Quill, everyone, attorney down in Australia in Melbourne, one of the top attorneys in the country and his expertise of media, broadcasting, sports law. And I appreciate all you've done to uh, help me uh, get through this process to understand what was going on. Enjoy. And, and I love how the, the Aussies call it the tennis. It's not tennis. We're not going to tennis term. We're going to the tennis. So, Justin, I wish I was there. My favorite plate tournament to go to. Please enjoy the tennis at the Australian Open, my man. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you so much. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.